good. Number one, wherever your pattern of attention and energy go, your behavior follows. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Okay, before I do that, do you remember the exercise I did about attention? Remember I said, everybody put your attention on this finger? And everybody did. Then I said, put your attention on your knee, on your right knee. And everybody did. And then I said, put your attention inside. And everybody did. So everybody knows that you can put your attention anywhere you want to. And you can know where your attention is, right? So I'll read it again. Wherever your pattern of attention and energy go, your behavior follows. Number two, to change your behavior requires self-observation of your pattern of attention and energy. I'm going to read that again. To change your behavior requires self-observation of your pattern of attention and energy. Number three, although self-observation becomes easier as you practice it, it never becomes habitual. Self-observation requires continuing practice. All right. You can observe for yourself that these three laws of behavior are correct. These laws are central to your development and fundamental to giving both your personal, spiritual, and work lives more meaning and fulfillment. The limiting nature of unmanaged, habitual, personal reactions often lead to conflict, suffering, and even failure in your personal and professional relationships. All right. <clears throat> All right, so during this time, we are covering the very basic aspects of each type. We are not covering in any depth the subtypes or the changes that you can make, or the nuances, or the movements, or the stress points, or the integrating points. As a result, we can come across as semi-negative, because all I'm talking about is where each type begins. So what I'm trying to do, for instance, last time when our seven said that we thought we were getting too negative for the fours. I don't know if you noticed that. It was so cute. You haven't gotten to sevens yet. Sevens like everything to be nice all the time. It's so cute that that came out of her mouth. Uh, but in spite of that, it was a good point that she was making. Um, I really, as the person up here who steers you guys, I'm going to really try and steer you towards the positive because we're starting off at the, at the basic level, the, the ego part of it, the part that has not changed yet. And as a result of that, sometimes that's difficult. And so I just wanted to tell you that that's where we're beginning simply because of time. Okay. All right, so I'm going to read you just on so that I can, again, push us back away from the negative. I'm going to read you about the myths of each type. Review. I'm going back to the twos. It is often thought that the twos just give to get, and underneath are very needy. Okay, when we talked about the twos, that might have come across. In fact, twos often give very generously and appear extra needy, only when they repress so much of their own needs and desires. And that makes them appear extra thirsty or needy. Okay, it's a good point. They're, uh, what they have to overcome is the fact that they're not aware of themselves. The only thing that they're aware, again, where does two's attention go to? Your needs. 
that's where their attention and their energy goes, your needs. And they think that you are going to do the same for them, and you don't. And so the balance they have to learn is, how do I be aware of my needs and my desires, and how can I meet my desires and my needs and your desires and your needs? Okay, so... Okay, the myth for number three, for type three. Threes are often perceived as caring only about their own goals, efficiency, and image. But in fact, threes can be extremely caring of people, and they can bring a positive can-do attitude to doing for others. In addition, the deceptiveness attributed to threes is not about deceit, but about being out of touch with their own true feelings which often are not far from awareness. So again, because the threes are a part of that triad, their attention goes to other people. So I'm trying to put this on the positive spin, okay? And fours. Many people believe that fours are dominated by their feelings and can't be counted on. In fact, fours often stay steady despite their strong feelings and they accomplish a great deal with dedication as long as they are moved by the activity. They can even have a knack for making the ordinary extraordinary. Okay, so, trying to help the sevens. <laughs> All right, review again. The country for the twos, type twos, is Italy, Italy. And the animals were the licking puppy, the donkey, and the cat. The color was red. In case we mentioned that. Okay, type three. The country was? The USA. And the animals were the chameleon, the peacock, and the eagle. And the color was yellow. Okay, type four. The country was? France. Yes. Animals were the morning dove, the basset hound, and the oysters, which we didn't get to, but that's okay. And the color was violet. All right, so that was the review. Um, Welcome. We're glad you're here. We're glad you get here whenever you do. It's perfectly all right. All right. Are we okay back there, Susan? Okay, very good. Okay, we'll start the fives then. The fives are the first type of the head triad. That means that the five, six, and sevens come to life out of their heads, not out of their hearts, and not out of their guts. All right? Fives. The search for knowledge and wisdom, and the avoidance of intrusion and loss of energy is what they are all about, okay? The search for knowledge and wisdom, and the avoidance of intrusion and loss of energy. They are emotionally detached. They are very private people. Self-controlled, highly independent, autonomous, and they have an insatiable need to know, especially the areas that interest and concern them. Fully understanding how everything works and fits together helps them feel normal, and their quest for privacy is constant. They automatically detach from their feelings in the actual moment of an emotional experience. They reactivate these feelings at a more convenient and private time. So fives compartmentalize. They are wary of intrusions of their time and their energy and their physical space. Some keep extremely controlled boundaries. 
Others are more outgoing and social, but they only talk about the things that interest them. They are drawn to lofty ideas, and they can lose interest in everyday life. All fives appear remote to some degree. And while we can all be emotionally detached, and many people enjoy interesting information, for the five, the search for knowledge and wisdom and the avoidance of intrusion and loss of energy is their primary, persistent, and driving motivation. In other words, what that means is that's how they do life. They don't decide to do life that way. It's not conscious. Their worldview is that the world is invasive. I need privacy to think and to refuel my energy. It doesn't sound like a bad thing. When you're in the moment, it doesn't sound like a good thing. It sounds like you're being responsible. It sounds like you're taking care of yourself. Doesn't sound bad to me. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> the worldview of scarcity adopted during times of crisis no energy to meet needs. Everybody shrinks expectations. They learn to do with less, less involvement, fewer goods, less emotional contact. That's what we all do in times of crisis. After all, less produces more. Less simplifies. So for the five, that's the way they live all the time. They are called observers, and their mind is like a castle. A castle has low visibility. It has controlled contact with uninterrupted private time. Now, observers do not feel deprived unless desire creeps in. Fives dislike having needs. You get so hungry, you have to reach out. Fives dislike being forced to have feelings. You don't want needs in your life. You try to let go, but you can't. You don't have it, and now you must get it. And to own it, you have to reach out, is the way fives experience life, when they experience desire and needs. So they get caught between emotional emptiness and the fear of being engulfed by people. And then they have to enter their feelings, which is the way fives grow. They grow by joining their emotions. They grow by finding passion in their life. So, immature fives, as you can imagine, are afraid of commitments. After all, quitting is very easy if you're not attached. It's a lot harder to stay in a commitment than it is to let it go. It involves more commitment than it might for other people who like attention. After all, staying means that you're opening yourself up to pain. So when fives commit themselves to love, what they're doing is they're committing themselves to struggle, and they know it. They choose struggle over the security of being alone and untroubled. They choose the certainty of loss. 
as a result, is a decision that is carefully weighed and chosen, like everything else. This relationship is worth facing that dreadful gap between ideas and practical reality. For them, love has less to do with romance than it does deciding that a certain person is worth the price of pain. (laughs) Making commitments that are going to last for years can upset private independence. A lot easier to do without someone than to feel how much they might matter. Fives can feel had when people become emotionally important to them. After all, their privacy has been exposed. Suddenly they can be touched and seen and loved and affected. They are no longer autonomous. Once feelings invade their privacy, detachment becomes impossible. They now have wants, and they hate having wants. So, if you want to relate to a five, you have to become the active party. After a great evening together, you may face protracted periods of silence. These distancing measures are employed unconsciously. After all, a five's needs might lead to entanglement. They are sensitive to being dominated. They need time to withdraw and think. Observers can be exquisitely emotional when they're not being told that they have to or they should. Shoulds for a five feel invasive. Shoulds for a five feels coercive. Shoulds for a five feels draining. And they are highly protective of their inner world. So partners who are privileged to share their world report often an intelligence that is offbeat, strikingly whimsical, and a perspective on reality. The five mind is often attuned, sometimes poignantly, to profound questions of deeper meaning. The negative signals that fives send off is they often, the partners, feel frozen out by fives. They feel unconnected. They feel neglected. The ongoing privacy needs of a five feels like signals of rejection to the people around them. The burden of always initiating and always confronting falls on their partners. And they get signals of superiority and arrogance and the appearance of being above emotional expressions and beyond the need to explain themselves. If acting out an appropriate appropriate social role You can have difficulty discerning whether or not they're available. Sometimes they act out appropriate social roles. And when they do, the people around them are a little confused. They're not sure whether the five is really available or whether they're just acting out a role. So, energetic and apparently interested, fives can, in fact, be hiding in a social pose. If they are doing a convincing job... 
you may mistakenly perceive a genuine request for contact. And so that may or may not be true. Bless your hearts, try and figure it out. (laughs) From the five standpoint, your energy and interest feel like a demand for attention. And since they are isolated from their own immediate feelings, fives have difficulty with spontaneity. So if they don't know what they're thinking or feeling because they're very slow at processing, then how do they get to, how are they how can they be genuine? And if they can't be genuine, then how can they be spontaneous? They're just wired in such a way that everything is very slow. The feelings are slow, the thoughts are slow, and so it just takes a while. The thoughts say, I'm unprepared. I don't know what to do. I need time to think. Open-ended requests can be terrifying. After all, there's no way to prepare. It feels like there's an opening to humiliation. The thoughts say, don't react. Don't invest. If you get involved, they're going to want more. And your feelings say, I'll never get through this. It's not worth the energy. I don't have any energy. I've got to save my energy. So, being inexperienced with erupting emotions, fives go blank mentally. It's hard to think when your feelings surface, and that undercuts your stability. They feel an urgent need to be alone, to find some quiet place in which to calm down. They need a closed-off and protected sphere because they see everything and they hear everything and they hold on to everything. It is important to them to maintain calm externally at least. There's a lot going on on the inside. To keep their emotions under control, no one is supposed to tell by looking at them that they're in a rage or that they have fallen in love, or that they are competing with somebody. So, this might have the effect of making them seem snooty and cold, as if they needed it in nobody, and if they felt exalted. But most actually have an intense emotional life. But the moment that something happens, their feelings are blocked. And they come limping behind their feelings. So like fours, fives feel more connected to those who are absent than those who are present. It's an odd thing, and it's the truth. Friendship with a five can be enriching if you don't expect three things. And this is the absolute truth. Do not expect initiative-taking. Do not expect continual physical nearness, and do not expect total surrender. If you can do that, you will get a true companion in a five, a patient, silent listener, and a counselor. So, fives have an elaborate way to preserve their privacy. They do it by withholding feelings. They do it by censoring information They do it by separating their thinking from their emotions. They do it by developing confidential bondings. They live secret lives, but not illicit secret lives. 
Their secrecy is treasured because it ensures personal autonomy. So fives do not suffer from loneliness when they retreat into their solitude if it's voluntary. Moving away from people is their strategy for survival, after all. So the privacy feels good and safe as long as there is someone on the other side of the door. Privacy only turns to isolation when it's not of their own choosing. So, unfortunately, fives can go public and still be distant. You can talk and respond to people, or fives can talk and respond to people, without really being there. Detachment can be like watching yourself go through a rehearsed scene, or like watching yourself in a three-way mirror. It's an internal thing. It's a split in awareness rather than being separate in your physical space. So, what they tell themselves are, desires are going to mislead you, and you're bound to get out of control, so be sure and detach before you get hooked. So, for them, privacy means far more than having their own room and closing the door. Often detached in public, Type fives wait until they're alone to match their feelings to the events of the day. They need time to review their thoughts, to let their feelings surface, and to preview tomorrow's events. So they're reviewing the day, they're feeling their feelings for the first time, and then they're preparing for the next day's events. It takes a lot of energy. <clears throat> so... The security point for the fives, the eights, type eights, and type fives are run by the same need to resist domination. The aggressive stance of eights is an attempt to make sure that nobody dominates them. Eights resist intrusion by going against people, and fives resist intrusion, intrusion quite as forcefully by simply holding out. So the preoccupation with domination is exactly the same for both type 8s and type 5s. But the manner of defense is totally different. 8s control through force of presence, and 5s control through absence of presence. So the risk is, <clears throat> if the withdrawal and the isolation are ineffective, the 7 persona appears. So when the fives are doing well, they go towards the eights. And when the fives are not doing well, when everything they have tried doesn't work, then they go to the sevens. And they put on a socially acceptable facade. And they engage and they reach out. But fives feel very insecure in open-ended, multi-optional seven territory. So <clears throat> their primary defense knowing in order to be prepared, dissolves when there are too many choices. So we'll end with the country, the animals, and the color. The country, you want to guess? It's close. England, Great Britain, that's right. Great Britain. Conservative, polite, reserved, coolly distant, the English gentleman, Great Britain.
the animals are the owl, the fox, and the hamster. The owl's immobile eyes are aimed forward. Its hearing is very well developed, and they see everything, but they themselves are hard to locate. The fox is a loner. Its sense of smell and hearing is excellent. And the hamster has great cheek pouches, which represents the five greed and passion for collecting knowledge. And we'll end with the color. The color is blue. Blue is the color of introversion, repose, distance. Sky and sea are the deepest of the realms accessible to contemplation, and they are both blue. And then the biblical figure, actually, I didn't tell you this one, it's Zacchaeus. What a hoot that is, Zacchaeus. He climbed a tree so that he could see without being seen. Oh my gosh, it was perfect. He had, a, he had a literal overview of everything, and he could avoid bodily contact with the masses. He was set. <laughs> All right. The first of the mind triad, that's type five, the observer. <clears throat> um, Susan, I'm going to turn this off now. And...